Welcome to the Success School Podcast. You're with your host, Tim and Steph. Welcome, Steph, to another episode. I am excited to have this conversation today. It's about one of my favorite topics at the moment. And before we get into that, guys, we start with our learning of the week. I want to kick this one off. And I've been doing a little bit of work on SEO, so search engine optimization. Essentially, for the last eight years, I've been kamikazing my website, changing shit for the sake of it, and essentially just having a red hot crack at SEO without actually knowing what I'm doing. So I had an SEO guy do a audit on my website, and he said, I've basically been fucking with my website. And he taught me there are basically three different types of SEO. So the first one is technical SEO. The second one is long form keywords. And then the third one is short form. Okay. So essentially the easiest way to improve your SEO on your website is just to make sure it's technically solid. So there's no broken links, there's no backlinks, etc., And that can boost your performance on your website by anywhere from 10 to 20%. Is that new to you, Steph? I mean, this SEO thing has been an entire new world for me completely. It has been so interesting to witness Tim go through this. To be fair, he says he kamikaze in his website, but actually like you had pretty good SEO and then you went in and changed some stuff and you didn't realize that those very minor changes completely fucked up your website. Yeah, minor changes, but I was taking out keywords that we were ranking for. Essentially, SEO is a way that you can get free traffic from Google. I would strongly recommend it for any business to look into it and where you should look into it is somewhere called SEMrush. So they do a bunch of SEO stuff. They have free trainings on SEO. So if you're in the small business world, we don't specifically teach in successful.io, but that's our website, by the way. But if you want to learn, SEMrush is the place to go. What about your learning of the week, Steph? So my learning of the week is not business related, but I thought it was super interesting. And so I'm going to share it with you guys. I went to our myotherapist. This is new for me. And for anyone who doesn't know what a myotherapist is, really me neither, <laughs> to be completely honest. But basically it's like some level of cupping, some deep needling, some massage. Honestly, it just feels really good. I've had a bit of a... <laughs> Are we talking about... <laughs> Vanessa is going to love this. So yeah. Vanessa is our myotherapist and... I was going in and I was talking to her about, you know, where she needles most, like where are most people experiencing pain? And she said that most people are experiencing pain in their lower back. And I was like, okay, like talk to me about why. Like I always love learning about this stuff. I was like, why are people experiencing what's happening in our culture? What's happened to our society that all of a sudden we have all these lower back injuries? And she gave me this really interesting information that I'd never really considered before. She was like, it's because of the way we breathe which I was not expecting her to say, like sitting at a computer, sitting down, not being active enough. I was expecting all of those things, but the way we breathe was definitely not the answer I was expecting. So she basically explained to me that the way that we breathe over the last couple of hundred years has changed and that more and more we breathe up in our chest, up in our necks. We breathe really high in our bodies and we take short kind of rapid breaths. Whereas, you know, 100, 200 years ago, we were breathing really deep into our bellies. We were taking less breaths per minute and we were really like, you know, breathing properly, right? And when you breathe, if you just even right now perform the activity of breathing high up in your chest versus in your stomach, you will literally feel the way that your body changes, the way that your rib cage moves differently. And she was saying that because of how many breaths we take a day, because of how many you know days there are in a year and over a lifetime, over the course of all these years, we've started to create this really bad posture, which is actually causing most of our lower back pain. And it just was very obvious once I performed the activity myself and I started to realize, wow, like this high rush, busy society that's caused us to breathe so fast is actually not just messing us up from an anxiety perspective, from a 
you know, it's not feeling good to, you know, there's more and more out there now. It's about meditation. It's about breath work, about all these things. Like it really is just so important to breathe into your stomach. So that was my learning for the week. This is a little bit random and off topic. And I learned this at university, but kind of like breathing as well. It's about heartbeat. Did you know that your heart only has a certain amount of beats in it for its entire lifetime? Okay, like- and once you, re- <laughs> once you reach that capacity... That's terrifying. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> like your your heart just has like a, a set number of beats. Well, and the higher your resting heart rate, the least your life expectancy is. Right. So you should we should try and actively have like a lower resting heart rate. Yeah, to live longer. Amazing. Cool. All right. Well, one more thing for us to look at, guys. So as if Scared as everyone. if business wasn't scary enough. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, guys, we are diving into today's topic, and that is we're talking about scaling, and we're talking about really scaling for scaling's sake. And what I mean by that is this episode is really for people who are planning to scale, people who are currently scaling their business, and those who have maybe scaled really quickly and might be feeling like your business is heavy or it feels like a monster or you have a team but you're still working a lot and it's just not looking the way that you thought it would look, okay? When we talk about scaling for scaling's sake, a lot of the time we see in entrepreneurship and especially in this day and age, we see a lot of people that are just wanting to hit the next financial milestone, just wanting to grow the business because they just want to keep growing growing. And we really want to talk about scaling as a topic today because they're really like, you really need to stop and think before you scale. And Tim and I have scaled many things. Well, especially me have scaled many things in many different ways. And I just kind of wish I'd taken a little bit more time to consider some of the ways that I'd scaled prior to scaling. So let's dive into the topic, Tim. Steph, what does it mean to scale? So like, give us a definition here. So if you're going to go through the Oxford or Wikipedia, what does it actually mean to scale a business? So my perception of scale is to grow the business to allow yourself to take on more customers, right? In whatever way that looks like. So if you're a brick and mortar business, in order to take on more customers, you'll have to either change. If we look at the gym, for example, if Tim was doing PTs, eventually he'd have to move to small group coaching. If he wanted to take on more and more people, he might have to move into large group coaching. If he wanted to take on more more people, he might have to hire more coaches or have more facilities. And so we look at scaling from the perspective of really just being able to service more people. Would you, is that, would yeah. you say that's right? Yeah. But I think the key thing here is you need to know why you're scaling. Correct. And that's the issue with scaling is people scale for the sake of it. Yeah. And so let's dive into that first, Tim. Why do you think that people are scaling for the sake of it? The easiest answer here is ego people are scaling essentially to prove to other people that they can scale or they can hit a success milestone, which is fine. Having an ego is great for business, but it's generally pretty bad for your health and mental health, anxiety, depression, all those types of things, because you associate your worth with this scale or how much money your business is making. That's the reason I think a lot of people scale. When I got into business, I thought the amount of money I needed to be rich was much greater than it actually is. So, you know, once you get to a certain level, you realize that you really can't just spend that much more money without being absolutely ridiculous and buying like a Lamborghini or something like that. But your cost of food or cost of living or whatever, yeah, even with the crisis at the moment, doesn't go up exponentially that much. So once you hit that certain threshold, you're living pretty fucking good. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, if I look at even my own experience of scaling, as I've scaled, I I really scaled because I thought, you just think more is more, like more is more is more, right? Like if I just can get more money through the door, if I can get more clients, then I'll have more money. And then if I have more money, then I'll have more happiness. If I have more happiness, then I'll have more freedom and, you know, and life will just be better and better and better and better and better. And actually it, 
has never worked that way. And I've never met anybody. I've, we've got a lot of friends and entrepreneurs who are seven, eight, nine figure business owners almost. And like, they are all having this experience where sometimes you scale all the way up because you just wanted to kind of reach the next level to either prove it to yourself or to prove it to somebody else. And the thing that you were looking for was never actually at the end. It was never the pot of gold. And so I do think a lot of the time it is ego. Ego is not a dirty word. Ego is honestly a lot of the reason why most businesses drive forward. And if Elon Musk didn't have an ego, then we wouldn't have Tesla. Or if, you know, ego is important. It's a really important part of who we are and what drives us. But so often what we see is entrepreneurs scale these huge businesses up to be, you know, 40, 50, 60 people get there and then just go, I actually just really hate this. I just really hate this. And I don't want to be here. And it's feeling heavy. It feels like a monster. And this might even be for you right now, if you're listening to this and you have three team members and you're like, I'm not enjoying this. This feels like a monster. I'm not even doing the task that I wanted to do. So Let's talk about really quickly, Tim. I'd love to know your perspective on this. What's wrong with the, like in the coaching industry, like specifically, there is a current theme that we're hearing about. I don't think it's just in coaching. I think it is in in a lot of other businesses, Mm. but it's called bro scaling. So what is bro scaling? And I guess like, why is it? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it wrong? Is it right? So I kind of think as bro scaling is like bro science, which is like the equivalent version of fitness. It's like guys that basically just do work for work's sake. Bro scaling is essentially doing whatever the fuck it takes and more, 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 the more, more, more mentality. So that means more ads, more team members, more salespeople, more outreach, more organic traffic, more YouTube, more Instagram, more Twitter, more emails, literally doing whatever it takes, scaling up, getting uh, teams, massive teams, 10, 20, 30, 40 people. But the issue with that is there generally isn't a linear return in what you get. And the more people you have, the harder your business is. And case in point, we've been there in all of our companies. We've bro-scaled everything we've ever done. It's only really in the last couple of months we've gained some consciousness around what bro-scaling actually is and the negative effects that it can have. We have been guilty as sin for bro-scaling for the sake of bro-scaling and growing a business for the sake of it. I don't think it is helpful to your quality of life. I think it's probably more helpful just to have a goal, go after that goal, and then set yourself up financially in other ways. The issue with having a massive team in particular and spending more money is more people, more problems, and then more problems end up being your problem. And then that takes away from your quality of life. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So in the bro scaling space, like what we see is like exactly what Tim described. And I think the biggest negative that I see of the bro scaling is that, you know, where I speak about before, the more is more is more. The issue with more is more is more is that like, yes, you hire more team members so you can take on more clients, but those team members cost money. So while you might be making more, you're spending more. While you might be, you know, making more and you have more team, you now have less time because you're managing more team. And then you have to hire a manager to manage the team. So you have more people to manage and more money going out. And so it's just, yes, it's more money coming in, but it's definitely more money going out. And that's why you'll see lots and lots and lots of six, seven figure business owners that have, you know, seven figure outgoings as well, because they just are, sp- they're spending everything they have because they have bro scaled. And so there's actually no profit. You actually would have been better off money in pocket as the entrepreneur, as the person who runs and owns the business, as the CEO of your company, whatever that looks like, you would have had more money with 10 clients paying 20 grand directly to you with no team members at all. 
And it probably would have been a hell of a lot easier because you wouldn't have had to manage all of those people. It would have been a hell of a lot easier because you wouldn't have, like, the cost. Every single team member that you bring on, guys, if you look at, like, a, a coaching business like ours, everyone needs to have a Calendly seat, which means you pay more in all your subscriptions, right? So later, Calendly, whether you Zoom, all of those things, you need to pay extra, 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 extra. Like, it just, the costs just keep adding up and and there is like this level of like yeah diminishing returns where you are just putting in all this work and you have this huge thing and, and the level of responsibility let's be let's really talk about that mm. because there is a level like we have maybe six team five team members between us right now between all companies at the moment mm. and the actually like yeah and the at one point we had like 50 at one point we yeah, we had a lot and and the responsibility of those five team members still feels heavy. Like mm. it still feels like we want to make sure that they're happy. We want to make sure that they're well compensated. We want to make sure that they feel fulfilled and that they're getting enough training and that, you know, the, there's still a level of responsibility that comes with that. But the level of responsibility that you have managing 50 people is extreme. It's like it almost cripples every decision that you make. Having to make hiring and firing decisions and performance manage these people, it's it's exhausting. It's really big. And so while, yes, the bro scaling is like, get there as fast as possible. You do what it needs to take, more, 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 more. It actually can be quite damaging. And so we wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about what to do prior to scale, okay? So, Tim, what do you think is the best way to kind of plan for scale? I think the best way to plan for scale is look for your end goal. So what do you actually want to accomplish from a financial point of view? Then the second, you could interchange this with the first as well, would be what do you want your life to look like? You you need to plan your life around your business, not the other way around. This is where uh, a lot of entrepreneurs get unstuck is they just work for the sake of working and then they end up just being a slave to their business when you actually need i get like when you're first starting out you just want to make money you just want to hit 10k months i get that but then after you've hit that you need to plan your life and what you think and want it you want it to look like so the first two things finance and then quality of life that's how i would start what am i missing here yeah. So like, and when we look at that finance guys, please, please, please sit down and do this activity for me because Tim forced me to sit down and do this activity. Cause I was like, yeah, I want to hit 80 K months. I want to hit hundred K months. I want to hit insert arbitrary number that I thought would be, would make me happy or would make me feel fulfilled or that make me feel lit up. And none of them, none of them were doing it for me. I was hitting all these numbers and none of them were doing it for me. And so Tim sat down and we actually did an activity where we went through what are all the things we want for our life? Like we want to be able to fly business class anywhere in the world all the time. We want to be able to buy our parents' houses and make sure that they don't have to, you know, sacrifice for, or want for anything. We want to be able to send our kids, if we want to, to private schools. We want to be able to go on holidays whenever we want, wherever we want, all the time. And so we actually sat down and we we did some research and we added costs to all of those things. So if we did four holidays a year, business class with us and like, let's say two kids, how much is that going to cost us? How much is it going to cost us to buy our parents' houses and pay for their living expenses? How much is it, how much do these things, like our lifestyle, how much are we going to spend every month on eating out? Like what is it actually, for us to have the, the wildest existence of life, what would it actually cost? And this is where Tim at the very beginning said, you will be so surprised because it's so much less than you think. It is a big number, but it's actually less than you think. You don't actually need, you probably don't even need a million, millions of dollars to be able to do this. Like a lot of people think like that that's the number, but you probably don't even need that on a month to month, year to year basis to actually get to your goals. So please sit down and just go like my wildest version of this existence do I actually need $10 million or is that just something that I'm telling myself I need because that's a number that everyone's talking about on social media, right? So that was really helpful for me. 
The other thing is, as you plan to scale, something that I really want you, additionally to what Tim said about knowing what you want for your lifestyle, knowing what you want for, for your money, is also going, what does my role look like in my business? So my ideal role, what do I actually want to be doing? Because I've been guilty of scaling myself out of all of my businesses and then feeling just really useless and feeling like I'm not even doing the things that I actually want to do. My first business, House of Hobby, I scaled myself out of that business completely, which meant that I stopped going to the workshops that I was creating, which meant that I lost connection to the reason why I even started it in the first place. And so I had two choices at that point. I started actually going back to the workshops and I scaled it back so that I could actually have the connection and the reason why I started. For me in this business, I love content creation. All I want to do really is just be able to create content, teach stuff, present, coach. That's all I really want to do. And so I set my business up to outsource the stuff that I don't want to do. The bookkeeping, the zero transactions, the, you know, client emails, like, you know, the the admin, the, the automations. I don't want to do any of that stuff. So that's the stuff I outsource. That's the stuff that I get support on. Don't scale yourself out of your business. Scale yourself out of the roles and tasks that you don't like actually want. So the next thing to consider here is what is the simplest way to get you to your financial and life goals because we run a coaching program. We have 170 people in that coaching program at the time of recording this. And a lot of the times when we get on a group call, people are often throwing grenades into their business. Okay. They're making it more complicated than it has to be. We've talked about this on this exact podcast is like the master of one, do things simple, fastest path to cash, etc. You want to make it as simple as possible. So if you've got multiple services, multiple products, multiple offerings, they're all doing okay. Think about which of them you can put most of your effort or focus into that is going to make you the most revenue the fastest and obviously help people along the way. And also, how can you break the damn rules? Mm. Like, I'll give you an example. We hate emails. We hate hate receiving emails. Like if we had 170 clients and 170 clients had to email us every single week, we would have 170 emails a week and that would be, and we'd have to go back to them and then we'd have to come back to us and we have to go back to them and it would be really exhausting. And Tim and I just, that sounds like hell on earth Mm. to both of us. That sounds like... The worst. The, the worst thing ever, right? And so there is literally no email communication in our program at all. There is no, we don't give you our email. You don't email us. There is a team email, which our, which our team members manage. But Tim and I ourselves, we don't receive emails from our clients. They have ways of contacting us outside of email, which we have allowed, like which we've given them really clear guidelines on. But like, if you don't want to have email, it's your business. If you don't want to have emails in your business, then don't have emails in your business. Like, what is the simplest way for you? What is the way you can set this business up for you so that you can still, A, give that care and support to your clients, but B, do it in a way that really suits you. And then lastly, you just want to ask yourself, is the current business model that you have set up to help you reach your goals or will it hinder you? So you need to look at the bigger picture here and ask yourself, is this current thing I'm doing going to get me there? That's okay if you're just starting out and you're just feeling it out in your niche or industry or field. But you need to ask yourself, how is the business model that I'm building going to help me get there long term? Mm, Absolutely. Love that. So last question on this topic before we dive into some listener questions. Tim, what would you recommend to somebody if they have already scaled? So let's say that so the last question was all about what to do before you scale. Let's say someone's already scaled and they're already where, you know, we have been many times and they're feeling overwhelmed with their business. They're working more than ever with little to no profits. Maybe that's how a scale has felt for them. What would you recommend that they do? 
So business is typically in, in two cycles and it's a massive boom and growth phase. And then it's like an adjustment period where you're looking at things that aren't quite working and improving systems, processes, procedure, et cetera. This would come back to the Pareto principles of an 80-20. So do an 80-20 on everything that you're doing in the business and then look to make cuts on things that aren't driving you towards your goal. Businesses become very bloated. They become very bloated with systems. They become very uh, bloated with unideal clients. They become very bloated with team members. Some of this stuff is generally not needed to grow and meet your financial goals, and they cause added strain for the business and added expenses. Most of the time, a good goal in a business is to have it as lean as possible, more profit. Business is not about revenue. Like Steph and I have said, we know people that make 70, 80, 90K months and they spend 70, 80, 90K a month. That is not a business. That is a fucking huge death sentence and essentially a liability there. So mm-hmm. that would be my main one would be an 80-20. What else do you have to add to this? For anyone who's new here and isn't in our world and hasn't been in our world for a while, what is an 80-20? 80-20 is finding the top 20% of things that are producing 80% of the results. It's AKA the Pareto principle. Mm, so Google, if you don't know much about it, but I think that if you have scaled up, like just, you know, off the back of what Tim was saying, please find those 20%. But I think if you've scaled up to a point and you're looking at your business, you definitely want to figure out like what you can cut. And, and just on the back of what Tim said, like one of the things that I found really interesting when I did a review of my business when I'd scaled really quickly was just how many processes we were still completing that were actually just so unnecessary, but we were just still doing them because we'd always done them, you know? So just like, you know, client check-in emails, like, do we need them? We had for a little while, these like 15 minute calls that you know, you could have with our team that we would pre-qualify you to get on a sales call with, with our sales girl. Um, do we really need that? Can we just do that in an application form? So just having a little look at like, how can you just simplify and take some of these processes away that maybe it just aren't necessary that you thought were necessary at the beginning and they're not now. And the last thing on this guys is just, you have to be okay if you get to the point of scaling and you're at this place where you just feel overwhelmed, overworked, you know, undercompensated and you hate it. If you're just hating it, please don't, you know, just sell a business and run. It is really fixable with some really like, you know, minor changes, but be okay if you get somewhere and you go, I thought this is what I wanted and it's actually not. Awesome. Let's get into the listener questions. First one for you, Steph, is how much do you honestly need to sacrifice in the early days to build momentum? And this is from Joanna K. Would love to hear your thoughts. I think that this is nuanced. And I don't think there's a direct answer to this. I think like I sacrificed quite a lot at the beginning to build momentum in my business. I, you know, worked my day job. I worked every single spare hour outside of my day job, including mornings, including lunchtimes, including evenings to work on my business. I sacrificed, you know, money investing in business coaches and courses and flying to Sydney to go to courses. And, you know, I, I sacrificed a lot in the early days, most of my spare time and, and pretty much all of my spare money to build up momentum in my business. However, in saying that, it really depends on your goals, right? Like if you're happy, like Tim for the whole first year didn't get a client, right? And so it was slow for him. So I think it's just, it really depends on what your personal goals are. Mine was to get out of my day job as fast as possible. And so I sacrificed everything necessary in order to get there. For other people, they're happy to do it slowly over time. So I really think this is nuanced. I don't think you have to sacrifice everything. It's just that if you're not willing to sacrifice everything, which is so fine, if you want to have time with your family, if you want to spend your weekends with your friends, if you want to do those things, you then just have to be really realistic about the fact that it's probably going to take you longer to get there. Yeah, I fully agree. I definitely sacrificed a lot for me personally in the early days, essentially to build that momentum. I think if you want to get somewhere faster, you 
generally can just buy speed and you can buy courses and mentorships and coaches and, and people who have done it not bullshit ones either actual ones that have done what you want to do. I think that's the easiest way around it, but obviously to have the financial ability to invest in that, it's going to take sacrifice as well. You're going to have to sacrifice your hours in another job to get that money or loan the money or whatever it is to build that momentum. Uh, but like, I think there is a degree of sacrifice involved. And I think that's where a lot of people come unstuck is they, don't realize how hard small business is. It's essentially like just learning a completely new language set, way of operating, your values, your beliefs, how you operate as a person, your communication skills, literally everything about yourself, you essentially need to undo and relearn in a different way to become the person you need to be to build the business of your dreams. Wow. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> Question number two comes from an anonymous person. What is your process for team member mistakes? And I thought this was really um, poignant because we're talking about scale today. What is your process for team member mistakes? How do you ensure that they feel supported, but still not letting them or allowing them to repeat the same mistakes? I think there isn't really a black and white answer with this. We can chat about it from a couple of different perspectives here. So it just depends on your leadership style and your management style. Most of the time, people that we hire are quite intelligent. So you don't need to come down on them like a sack of shit. Like you don't need to be like, you made a mistake, fucking be better, like yada, yada, yada. You can probably just point out or hint around the mistake using a little bit of emotional intelligence and they'll probably get the gist rather than you coming down on them and having like a formal um, conversation with. I think this is for minor stuff. For major stuff, I would definitely schedule a meeting. I'm I've been very guilty of just sending a message and being, you know, saying those things like be better, you made a mistake, come on, let's go. It goes terribly because uh, emails and text messages generally are misinterpreted from their actual meaning or what you wanted to get across. So the process for me is evaluate how big the mistake is. If it's a small mistake, you could probably just get away with hinting at it and, and seeing if they're going to get the gist. If it's a big mistake and you feel like it needs a meeting, definitely have a meeting. It can be short, can be on Zoom, doesn't have to be on Friday afternoon. They don't have to think they're getting fired, etc. But this should be in your policies, procedures, employee handbook, staff handbook, whatever this is, should be levels of acceptable mistakes, etc. These are ways you can kind of safeguard it. If you've kind of thrown your business together as a small business owner and entrepreneur, you probably don't have these things. So the more hires you make, the more employees that you get, the better you'll get with this stuff. At the start, it is probably just going to be a shit show in terms of management, leadership, staff onboarding, et cetera, until you learn how to do it. Steph, what else do you have to add to that? Really, really minor. And we're going to wrap up guys. But the only thing I would add there is like, it really comes down to the standards that you hold. So the standards that you hold for your business is like, okay, this is the standard that we expect from this workload and you need to help us. You need to meet the standard, right? So this is the standard that we set. You need to meet that standard. We allow some space for mistakes while you learn, but this is the standard. So just get really clear on what those standards are for you and your business and then make sure that your employees are well-trained on those. Wow. What an incredible episode, Tim. I absolutely loved recording this one. Scale is one of my favorite things to talk about. I know that people really struggle in this area. So it was really nice to bring some clarity to that. Guys, I am just friggin' pumped because this week, our money making messaging, the mini course actually 
kicks off and starts. This is for you if you feel like you're posting, 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 but not making as many sales as you could, if you're tired of creating irresistible offers and reels and content, but there's just no one jumping on and actually wanting to buy, or even worse, they are asking for your prices, and after you tell them, they go silent. You might be starting to wonder, should I drop my prices? Even though you know that you don't want to, and let's be honest, you cannot afford to. In this mini course, which FYI, we have never done a mini course before. This is so new. The only way that you've ever been able to work with us is one-to-one or in long-term containers. So this is the most exciting thing that I have launched in a long time. I'm super pumped to be doing this. In this mini course, you will get everything that you need to build a hot audience of buyers, even if you have a small following, to talk about your offer so that people understand it, they want it, and they buy it, to create content that consistently generates interest, leads, and sales, and to have the tools to craft your own money-making sales page in just a few hours. These are the exact strategies that I use every day in my own business that we use in in all of our businesses, and we teach our clients. This attracts in our high-value clients who already know that they want to work with us before we send them the offer. The kinds of clients who never haggle on price, the kinds of clients who pay in full, the kinds of clients who move mountains to be in our containers and our offers. And I'm going to show you exactly how the coolest part is. You'll have it all done in 10 days. You're going to have my eyes on it to review it. There's insane bonuses. The link to this program is in the show notes. The price point is going up on the 15th of November. So the only way you're going to get it live and at this price point is if you join before the 15th of November. I would love to see you guys in there. Man, I'm pumped listening to that. I want to buy it myself and it's (laughs) within my business. As always, guys, thanks for listening. It's been epic. If you get some feedback or you love the show, let us know. We love the feedback. So don't be one of those people like, they get so many messages. We don't. We're not that popular. popular. So on that note, guys, subscribe, follow, share this with someone who could find it valuable. And lastly, leave a rating. Five Five stars stars only. (laughs) See you next week, guys. Audience exclusive.